All right, I, I want to um, begin this morning with a little pop culture trivia. Uh, so I'm going to show you three scenes from three related movies, okay? They're all, I'll give you a little hint, so you, I, I mean, I want you to win. So they're all superhero movies, and they're the same superhero, all right? I'm going to show you this same moment from three different versions of the same superhero, and then you're going to have to tell me at the end what superhero this is. Are we together? All right, so the, all three movies are the same story about the same hero, um, and we're going to play this clip. It's slow motion. It's slow motion. Yeah. Man. Computers are not my friend. Okay. Well, they'll play with it for a minute um, while they're playing with it. Um, oh, wait, look, great. Praise you're God. changing. I know. I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. But your father lived by a philosophy, a principle, really. He believed that, that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not choice, responsibility. Look, when you can do the things that I can, but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. All right, what superhero is that? Spider-Man. Spider All right, good, excellent. Um, I hope we would do just as well with the Bible trivia. Uh, so here's why I want to show that clip. Um, every time I read this passage, I think of that moment. So if you know anything about Spider-Man, that's sort of the defining character trait of his, of his life, of his, of his, of his identity. Spider-Man's identity is shaped around this concept that with great power, comes great responsibility. And so it has to get put into every Spider-Man movie at some point. He's got to hear that speech in his origin story, right? Um, and I want to suggest to you that that's what this parable is about, right? That with great power comes great responsibility. So just hold on to that idea. We're going to walk through this parable, and I hope you're going to see where it, where it shows up. Uh, first, I want to start at the very beginning. The first seven verses talk about this encounter between a king and his subjects. The king's throwing a wedding banquet, and everybody um, has been told in advance this is coming. And he's got like a select group of invitees, right? As, as you do when you have a wedding, you have some people you're planning to invite. Um, but when he sends out the invitations to say, hey, now is the time, the people that were originally invited don't come. He sends a second invitation. Not only do they not come, but some of them actually mistreat or kill the people he sent out with the invitation. And so the king comes back and says, hey, you're not worthy of my kingdom. You're not worthy to be at my son's wedding banquet. Uh, so what's going on there? Um, 
I, I think sort of critical to Jesus' conversation is understanding the context. He is in an argument with the Pharisees and the Sadducees at this moment. It's in Jerusalem. It's at the end of his life. Uh, and he is so frustrated that they have been unable to, to hear and respond to the invitation he is offering to be part of the kingdom of heaven, right? So he tells several parables like this at the end of his life um, before he's arrested to say, hey, you're missing out on this opportunity. And, and, and here's what I think is, is part of the problem. Part of the problem is the Israelites of Jesus' day had this idea that one day the Messiah was going to come. And when Messiah came, of course they would be ready, right? They would jump on board and they would follow him and they'd, he'd lead them to victory. But Messiah came and they weren't ready, right? They were, they were still thinking of that as something that was far off, that was going to come later. I think the same thing is a challenge for us as Christians. I, I think that we have been told that the gospel is about something that's going to come later, right? How um, you get into heaven when you die. Uh, Dallas Willard and John Orberg, who we'll hear from more in a minute, um, talk about this very concept. And, and Dallas Willard says, the, the gospel is not about how you get into heaven when you die. It's about how you get into heaven before you die. And this is a really critical idea in Jesus' life and ministry. He's saying, hey, I'm not asking you to wait until the king comes and slaughters all the enemies. I'm saying right now, the king is here. The kingdom is amongst you. Right now, you're supposed to get involved in this thing that I'm doing, and you're missing the invite, right? It's gone out, and just because um, you were born to Abraham, just because uh, you were circumcised on the eighth day, just because you grew up Jewish... It, that's not what I'm looking for. I want you to respond to the invite. This is why all those things happened, right? We had this conversation on Wednesday nights with our um, adult class about what makes us Christian, right? We said it's easy to think, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in a Christian family, and I was baptized as a kid, and I went through confirmation, and I believe Jesus is God, and uh, all that stuff is great, but none of it makes you a Christian. Right? What makes you a Christian is trusting in Jesus, Right? makes you a Christian is saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior is surrendering your life to Him. And you don't do that when you die. You do it now. Uh, in the early church, actually in the 400s and 500s A.D., there was a weird tradition around baptism. They had this idea that when you were baptized, at that moment, God washed away all your sins. This is not good theology, by the way. Um, so what they often did in that era was they would wait until the last minute of their life to be baptized because it was kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? So um, you might be a really faithful person and wait to the last minute, or you might live like a scoundrel right? Just do horrible things, but say, hey, you know what? Before I die, just toss some water on me, and I'll confess my faith, and I'm good, right? Get out of jail free. And, and what Jesus is saying in this parable is, um, I don't want you to get out of jail free at the end of your life. I don't want you to live your life in jail and then get out at the end. I want you to get out of jail now, now is when the kingdom of heaven has come. Now the invitation is extended. Now uh, heaven has begun, and the gospel is about living in grace with God now. Okay? Huge, huge, important concept. Not about what happens when we die. It's about what happens before we die. So given that, then Jesus goes on. He talks about the, the next group of people in this story. And the next group of people is just everybody, right? I mean, the slaves just go out and they say, hey, wherever you are, good, bad, young, old, I don't care, come on in, um, come to the party. 
And this is grace, right? This is grace. This is the idea that they didn't earn it, they didn't deserve it, they just, they just get to come. But, but here's the thing. I, I think that we don't understand grace well. And this is the great power, great responsibility concept. See, I think the grace of God that extends to everybody, even the, the, the good and the bad people in the world, um, the, the grace of God is this awesome power. And the way we treat and handle that power means a great deal. The way we respond to that power means a great deal. Uh, John Ortberg and Dallas Willard, uh, uh, John Ortberg uh, was a Presbyterian pastor for many, many years. Dallas Willard is, um, was one of the great Christian thinkers of the 20th century. Uh, did an interview, and um, it's like a 12-minute interview, and I almost showed all 12 minutes, um, but I thought that would be cheating. Uh, so I, I just want to show you a little bit of their conversation about this idea. They're not talking about this Scripture, but boy, I think it connects. They're talking about grace and um, what we do with it, how we properly understand what grace is. And I want to share this clip. The idea that grace is God in action available to me now right. sounds very inviting. Um, I know that disciplines are somehow supposed to be connected to that, but yes. it's also kind of an off-putting word, the word discipline. So Perhaps the first thing to say is grace doesn't make us passive. And we tend to think that grace makes you passive because if you did anything, that would be works, and works as opposed to grace. Mm-hmm. Um, That's we, not true. No, it isn't true, and we need to just understand that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Say it one more time. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. And you can't mix God's action with you with the idea, I'm earning this. Because that just that's the wrong basis uh, for the relationship. So a discipline now is something that enables us to enter into something that is good, and it applies to all areas of life, weightlifting, playing the piano, speaking French. You have to do things that are in your power to enable you to do what you can't do by direct effort. You can't just say, well, I'm going to speak French, and I have a that friend. That was French right there, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. French. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, I have a friend who says when he goes to France, he just speaks English louder. <laughs> uh, but effort won't do it. You have to enter into it in a way of practice, and discipline is basically practice. I, I remember many years ago, this distinction, this is the most helpful distinction I ever heard about the spiritual life. When you talk about there's a difference between training to do something That's right. versus trying to right. do something. Right. And, and that we overestimate what we can do by just trying That's really right. hard. That's right. And many people, when they hear about following Jesus, what they think is, I need to try harder to be more yeah. like Jesus and as it, opposed to yeah. training. And it's uh, so, so much a part of worldly wisdom. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's not it. If at first you don't succeed, find out what went wrong, fix it, and then try again. I had a guy in a seminar once who worked for uh, JPL, uh, and he said, boy, you're right. He said, when we blow up a rocket, we don't try another rocket. (laughs) We find out what went wrong, then we try it again. 
Okay, um, gosh, there's so much good in there. Um, but, but come back with me to Jesus for a moment. Um, the king came in to see the guests. He noticed a man who was there not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, so the implication in this moment is that the, the wedding robes were available to the man, right? There's no excuse. There's no explanation. Oh, I didn't see them. I didn't know there was a sign posted that said wedding robes required. Um, there's no excuse. He knew he was supposed to wear it, yet he chose not to. Uh, Dallas Willard just said, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. Well, that is really, really helpful for me. Because I think sometimes they're right. Sometimes we think, hey, grace is about being passive, right? If I do anything, it's like I'm trying to earn God's love, and you can't earn God's love. That's works. And so being a Christian means just setting back and letting God do everything. And, and Jesus says, no, that's not quite it. Right? I don't want you to earn God's love. You can't earn it. It's free. But I want to see some effort on your part. Everybody gets invited to the wedding, no matter how good or bad you are, but you need to come dressed for the wedding. Need to come um, with with a, a life of effort, right? Not accomplishment, but effort. Such a helpful idea for me, and, and I, I, I recognize um, sometimes we teach the exact opposite message. There is uh, a, a wonderful hymn called "Just as I Am," right? Just as I am, without one plea, and it, it's beautiful. And it talks about how God accepts us as we are, and that's true. But it's only like half of the song, right? Or the song is only half of the gospel. Jesus accepts us as we are, but He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't want us to stay as we used to be. He wants us to change, right? He, he wants us not just to get in, but to fit in with the kingdom of God. Right? And to fit in means we have to have some effort. With great power comes great responsibility. With the incredible blessing of God's grace, which is extravagant and generous and nothing that we can earn to deserve, comes great responsibility for us to respond with our effort. We have to try to look and work and act and love like Jesus. We're not always going to get it right, but there is an expectation, a grace expectation on our life. Uh, that, that part of living in the kingdom of God means not just getting in, but fitting in. Um, by the way, uh, this idea with great power comes great responsibility. Um, Spider-Man gets it from Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus says, For everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. And Jesus gets it from the whole Old Testament. But we can go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, right? Where we're told uh, that, that God has saved you and claimed you and chosen you, not because you were the most numerous or the most deserving, but just because He loved you. And now that He has done so, you are expected to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances. Right? That's the whole message of, of the Old Testament and, and, and kind of the whole message of Scripture, right? That God's incredible Gracious, undeserving love comes first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But then our response is overwhelmingly important, right? We don't stay as we were, uh, but we get dressed in the wedding robes of Christ. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this so uh, famously in his book, The, Call to Dis- uh, the Cost of Discipleship. He talks about uh, the idea that cheap grace is the deadly enemy of the church. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Uh, There's an old story about a, a pastor in the Philippines who was uh, walking outside his church on Good Friday, and he saw all these little street urchins uh, outside the church selling crosses. And the kids were running back and forth as people came out of the church trying to sell crosses to them. He said, oh, crosses, crosses, cheap crosses, get your cheap crosses here. And the pastor thought, boy, that's what the world offers us, right? That offers us the cheap cross. There are no cheap crosses. The price of the cross is the life of Christ. The price of following Christ is your life. And, and there's no quantity of effort, but there is a quality of effort required. Right? God expects us uh, to work on valuing the gift He's given us, not being satisfied with cheap grace, but as Bonhoeffer calls it, uh, pursuing costly grace. Uh, now, um, that's really helpful for me, this idea that, that we're called uh, with great power comes great responsibility. We're called to put effort into our faith. Um, but, but I also really want to come back to what Dallas Willard said about how we put that effort in, right? What do we do uh, in this process of, of trying to, to um, live out our response to God's love? Because uh, Willard makes this distinction between training and trying. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I think it's so helpful for me uh, that it's easy to say, boy, I'm just, I'm just going to keep trying again and again and again uh, and hope that I get better at it. And as Willard made the point, you don't learn languages by just trying harder, right? I just, I'm going to sit here and learn French. And you don't learn the violin by just buying a violin and looking at it and wishing you knew how to play it, right? You don't learn how to play soccer or football or whatever by, you've got you to practice, right? There's got to be intelligent effort, he says, uh, and, and I think this is so critical for us in our spiritual life when we come to a place where we recognize, boy, um, the response to the grace of God requires me to change. Then in that moment, we can't be satisfied by saying, boy, I'm just going to try harder to change. We've we got to figure out how we train ourselves to be different. Um, if, if you uh, struggle with sexual immorality, and you say, boy, this is really a, a challenge in my life, and I want to make a different choice next time. And so uh, the next time that desire comes along, I'm just going to try harder. Pretty sure you're going to do it again after trying harder. Uh, if you say, boy, um, I would really like to be more generous, uh, and so uh, I'm going to just, just keep doing what I've always done, but, but I'll just try harder to be generous. Pretty sure you're not going to be. Um, boy, God, I, I really want to read the Bible. I've always talked about wanting to read the Bible. One of these days I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try harder. But you don't avail yourselves of all the helps that are there to do those things. If you don't say, hey, um, if I want to learn to read the Bible, well, the church offers me all these tools to do it. Uh, intelligent effort is going to say, hey, I'm going to utilize the tools I'm given to get into the Word together. Right? Um, boy, uh, if I really work, want to work on, on 
getting this sin out of my life. I can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. I got to go and involve somebody in my life I trust and say, hey, help me with this process. I got to go enlist the support of others. I got to go to celebrate recovery. I got to do whatever it takes to say, God, um, I, I, need to, I need to change the way I've been doing it. I need to get trained to be different. Right? And that simple idea of, of training, not just trying, I think can transform your life as you seek uh, to live into the grace expectations of God. Sometimes this is really easy. Right? Uh, sometimes the grace expectations of God are as simple as saying, um, hey, I want to change this pattern of behavior in my life. I want to start a new pattern of behavior in my life. Sometimes the grace expectations of God are all-encompassing. Sometimes they require um, all of who we are. Uh, I mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer earlier. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as probably most of you know, was a Christian um, during World War II. He was a German, um, part of the Confessing Church Movement, the group that worked against the, the Nazification of the Christian church in Germany. Um, Bonhoeffer decided uh, that the effort required from him in that season and in that place meant that he couldn't just preach against Hitler. Uh, he had to to take more um, tangible steps. And so Bonhoeffer became part of a plot to assassinate Hitler during World War II. It failed. He was captured. Uh, and um, as the Allies closed in, um, Bonhoeffer was on the list of those who were killed in the, the so-called final solution. But his life matched his teaching. Uh, and his teaching matched Jesus' gospel, that it wasn't about getting into heaven when you die. It's about getting into heaven now before you die. And I believe uh, that when Bonhoeffer meets Jesus, he's going to be wearing the right clothes. And so this is the question for us today, um, that um, Jesus invites us into this kingdom of God now, and now we're called to say, hey, I don't want to just accept your grace and stay as I am. Right? I don't want to take my Hawaiian t-shirt and my Bermuda shorts and get them dry cleaned uh, and then uh, go to the wedding. Right? Uh, I want to do whatever it takes, uh, use whatever intelligent effort I need to use so that um, I don't just get in, but I fit in in the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You for the incredible invitation of Your grace. We thank You that we cannot deserve it or earn it, that it is great beyond our capacity for understanding. And as the recipients of Your great grace, we pray that we would own our great responsibility today, that we are called uh, to embrace the life of Jesus and reorder and reshape our lives in His image. We pray, Lord, that we would not only use effort, but intelligent effort today uh, to retrain ourselves so that um, in the large and in the small moments of our lives, we can be found um, robed in the clothes of Christ. It's in His holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.